I'm your host, Kurt Sandig, and welcome to Paranormal Almanac. That's right, I'm your host, Kurt Sandvig, and on this special edition Paranormal Almanac episode, I want to talk about something in the news that isn't going away. Initially, I was just going to make this this whole story part of another episode's Paranormal News, but the story keeps growing, so I thought it's time to do a special edition Paranormal Almanac ripped from the headlines. This one's all about the Navy and UFOs. So... No shout-outs. I'm very sorry, patrons. I still love you so much. No paranormal news, because this is the news. Let's get right into this special edition, ripped from the headlines, Paranormal Almanac. First up, let me read you the story from the New York Times, with excerpts from the Washington Post. The strange objects, one of them like a spinning top moving against the wind, appeared almost daily from the summer of 2014 to March 2015, high in the skies over the East Coast. Navy pilots reported to the superiors that the objects had no visible engine or infrared exhaust plumes, both of those very important, but that they could reach 30,000 feet and hypersonic speeds. These things would be out there all day, said Lieutenant Ryan Graves, an F-A-18 Super Hornet pilot who's been with the Navy for 10 years. I'm going to pause right there. Two very important things. The things would be out there all day. The technology we have to hit 30,000 feet and hypersonic speeds wouldn't last all day. The batteries just wouldn't last all day, especially since it doesn't seem to be a a typical engine, a a combustible engine. It seems to be like an electric engine or something otherworldly. But for the devil advocates out there, it could be an electric engine. That electric engine wouldn't last all day. Part two to this is... He's been a pilot with the Navy for 10 years. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's seen. He's an experienced pilot. Okay, back to the story. Um, Lieutenant Graves, an F-A-18 Super Hornet pilot who's been with the Navy for 10 years and who reported his sightings to the Pentagon and Congress. He says keeping an aircraft in the air requires a significant amount of energy. With the speeds we observed, 12 hours in the air is 11 hours longer than we'd expect. In late 2014, A Super Hornet pilot had a near collision with one of these objects, and an official mishap report was filed. Some of the incidents were videotaped, including one taken by a plane's camera in early 2015 that shows an object zooming over the ocean waves as pilots question what they're watching. Wow, what is that, man? One exclaims. Look at it fly. You're going to have to excuse the really bad techno music in the background. This is the cleanest find, uh, cleanest video I could find on YouTube of the pilots actually talking. I just wanted to hear you, let you guys hear what the pilots were saying. Are you Fox moving car here? No, I took an auto train. Oh, okay. All right, so hopefully you could understand that. Um, That's two pilots talking about this object that's right above the ocean surface. This thing is flying fast. He had to put it on auto track just to keep it on camera. 
And they're both like, woohoo, dude, what is that? What the F is that? I mean, they're freaking out. These, again, are experienced Navy pilots who've seen a lot of crap out there, but they're freaking out over what they're seeing. And what they're seeing is tic-tacs, basically. Tic-tac-shaped UFOs. But I'm going to get to that in a minute. I'm going to go back to the news story. They say that uh, no one in the Defense Department is saying that these objects are extraterrestrial, and experts emphasize that earthly explanations can generally be found for such incidents. Yeah, right. Lieutenant Graves and four other Navy pilots who said in the interview with the New York Times that they saw the objects in 2014 and 2015 in training maneuvers from Virginia to Florida off the aircraft carrier Theodore Roosevelt. They make no assertions of their providence. Um, so basically what's important there is that they're seeing these things multiple times for over a year from Virginia to Florida. All right, back to the story. But the objects have gotten the attention of the Navy, which earlier this year sent out new classified guidance for how to report what the military calls unexplained aerial phenomena or unidentified flying objects. Joseph Gratisher, Gratisher, a Navy spokesman, said the new guidance was an update of instructions that went out to, this, to the fleet in 2015 after the Roosevelt incidents. There were a number of different reports, he said. Some cases could have been coming from commercial drones, but in other cases, we don't know who's doing it. We don't have enough data to track this. So the intent of this message to the fleet is to provide updated guidance on reporting procedures for suspected intrusions into our airspace. Now, as you guys might remember from a paranormal, a previous paranormal news segment, just because the Navy said out loud to everybody officially, look, we don't know what these things are, but we are tracking them. They also said they might not release, they probably won't release, all of the reports that they already have and that they're taking currently. There is no signs that this information is going to get out to us. We can hope that it will, but again, we have no signs that we'll ever get this information. Fingers crossed. So anyhow, back to the story. The sightings were reported to the Pentagon's shadowy, little-known Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, which analyzed the radar data, video footage, and accounts provided by senior officials from the Roosevelt. Luis Elizondo, a military intelligence official who ran the program until he resigned in 2017, called the sightings, quote, a striking series of incidents. That is, that speaks for itself. All right, the program, which began in 2007, was largely funded at the request of Harry Reid, the Nevada Democrat, who was the Senate Majority Leader at the time, was officially, was officially shut down in 2012, yeah right, when the money dried up, according to the Pentagon. But the Navy recently said it currently investigates military reports of UFOs, and Mr. Elizondo and other participants say the program, parts of it remain classified, has continued in other forms. Now again, they officially said, 2012, yep, that thing was shut down. Don't you worry, we didn't find anything, so we just shut it down because that money ran out. Nope, that is not the case. It is still going on. Parts of it remain classified. The program has also studied video that shows a whitish oval object described as a giant tic-tac about the size of a commercial plane. That is also very, very important. These things are not the size of drones that you and I could fly around in the sky. These are the size of commercial planes, not even Cessnas. I'm talking about jumbo jet commercial planes. Now, they were encountered by two Navy pilots just off of uh, the coast of San Diego in 2004 as well. 
So there's multiple incidents. I'm going to get to that one in a little while. Leon Golub, Leon Golub, sure, a senior, senior astrophysicist at the Harvard-Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics said the possibility of an extraterrestrial cause, quote, is so unlikely that it competes with many other low probability but more mundane explanations. He added, quote, there are so many other possibilities, bugs in the code for the imaging and display systems, atmospheric effects and reflections, neurological overload from multiple inputs during high-speed flight. Okay, I'm going to debunk the shit out of you, Leon Galoob, Galoob, whatever the hell your name is, later in this episode. Lieutenant Graves still can't explain what he saw. In the summer of 2014, he and Lieutenant Danny Acoin, another Super Hornet pilot, were part of a squadron, the VFA-11 Red Rippers, out of the Naval Station, Ocean, out of Naval's out of Naval Air Station, Oceana, Virginia. That was that was training for a deployment to the Persian Gulf. Lieutenant Graves and a coin spoke on the record to the Times about the objects. Three other pilots in the squadron also spoke to the Times about the objects, but declined to be named. Lieutenants Grave and a coin, along with former American intelligence officials, appear in a six-part History Channel series unidentified inside America's UFO investigation that's going to be airing this Friday. Let me repeat that. History Channel, unidentified inside America's UFO investigation. Starts airing this Friday. I cannot wait to watch this. I love these unidentified series, miniseries, special episodes, whatever you want to call them, that they've done. The Times conducted separate interviews with key participants. The pilots began noticing the objects after their 1980s era radar was upgraded to a more advanced system. More on that later as well. As one fighter jet after another got the new radar, pilots began picking up the objects, but ignoring what they thought were false radar tracks. These things were so erratic, so quick, so bizarre, they were like, it's gotta be false radar tracks. People have been seeing strange stuff in the military aircraft for decades, Lieutenant Graves said. We're doing this very complex mission to go from 30,000 feet, diving down, it would be a pretty big deal to have something up there. But he said the objects persisted, showing up at 30,000 feet, 20,000 feet, even sea level. They could accelerate, slow down, and then hit hypersonic speeds. Lieutenant Acoin said he interacted twice with the objects. The first time, after picking up the object on his radar, he said his plane to merge with it, flying 1,000 feet below it. He said he should, he should have been able to see it with his helmet camera, but could not, even though his radar told him it was there. Again, this one's going to be very interesting. I'm going to kind of touch on this a little bit later. A few days later, Lieutenant Acoin said a training missile on his jet locked on the object and his infrared camera picked it up as well. We've got radar. We now have infrared. He said, I knew I had it. I knew it was not a false hit, he said, but still, I could not pick it up visually. At this point, the pilots said they speculated the objects were some part of classified and extremely advanced drone programs, but then pilots began seeing the objects. In late 2014, Lieutenant Graves said he was back at base in Virginia Beach when he encountered a squadron mate just back from a mission, quote, with a look of shock on his face. He was stunned to hear the pilot's words. I almost hit one of those things, the pilot told Lieutenant Graves. The pilot and his wingman were flying in tandem about 100 feet apart over the Atlantic east of Virginia Beach when something flew between them, right past the cockpit. It looked to the pilot, Lieutenant Graves said, like a sphere encasing a cube. That doesn't sound like a drone to me. That doesn't sound like a Cessna. That doesn't sound like a bird, a balloon, a weather balloon, swamp gas, the planet Venus, none of this bullshit. 
It also doesn't... Well, no, I'm going to get to the debunking. Don't worry. The incident so spooked the squadron that an aviation flight safety report was filed, Lieutenant Graves said. The near miss he and the other pilots interviewed said angered the squadron and convinced them that these objects were not part of a classified drone program. Government officials would know that fighter pilots were training in the area, they reasoned, and would not send drones to get in their way. It turned from a potentially classified drone program to a safety issue, he said. It was going to be a matter of time. It was only going to be a matter of time before someone had a mid-air collision. What was strange, the pilot said, was the video showed objects accelerating to hypersonic speeds, making sudden stops and instantaneous turns, something beyond the physical limits of a human crew. Speed doesn't kill you, Graves said. Stopping does or acceleration. I asked what they thought the objects were. The pilots refused to speculate. We have helicopters that can hover, Graves said. We have aircraft that can fly at 30,000 feet and right at the surface, but combine all these in one vehicle of some type with no jet engine, no exhaust plume? Lieutenant Acoin said, We're here to do a job with excellence, not make up myths. In March 2015, the Roosevelt left the coast of Florida and headed to the Persian Gulf as part of the American-led mission fighting the Islamic State in Iraq and Syria. The same pilots who were interacting with strange objects off the East Coast were soon doing bombing missions over Iraq and Syria. The incidents tapered off after they left the United States, the pilots said. Now, Navy pilots from the, VAF, from the VFA-11 Red Ripper Squadron aboard their aircraft carrier, Theodore Roosevelt, in 2015. And then the Washington Post says, The term UFO automatically triggers derision in most quarters of polite society. One of Christopher Buckley's better satires, Little Green Men, is premised on a George F. Will-type pundit thinking that he, has been, that he has been abducted by aliens with amusing results. UFOs have, have historically been associated with crackpot ideas like Bigfoot, F.U., or conspiracy theories involving crop circles, equally F.U. The obvious reason for this is that the term UFO is usually assumed to be a synonym for extraterrestrial life. If you think about it, this is odd. UFO literally stands for unidentified flying object. A UFO is not necessarily an alien from another planet. It is simply a flying object that can't be explained away through conventional means. Because UFOs are usually brought up only to crack jokes, however, they have been dismissed for decades. That part I agree with. Here we go. This is why I wanted to bring this up. The Navy issued official guidelines for how to report unexplained aerial phenomena. To date, no official explanation exists for the sightings, though a Navy spokesman did say a few of them could be unlicensed drones. Again, bullshit. Drones cannot do what these things did. Not to mention that these amateur pro models can't get anywhere near the 30,000 feet or handle the winds over the ocean, not to mention the turbulence from the fighter jets passing by it in full pursuit. If you're talking about military drones, drones that are huge, the drones that drop bombs in Iraq, these big unmanned vehicles that you see on, you know, in film and you can find them on YouTube, you can see all the photos of them. These things look like airplanes. There is one unmanned drone that uh, is it's like a really high reconnaissance vehicle. This thing looks like a space shuttle or a, like a high-tech version of a space shuttle. Again, nothing like what these guys are seeing. Not a cube, not a cube inside a sphere or a sphere inside a cube, not a tic-tac. These things have exhaust flans or has have these things have exhaust fumes. These things have engines. 
These things cannot do what these Tic Tacs are doing. An unlicensed drone doesn't make sense. Now, if you were to say to me, well, maybe just per chance, these are some Chinese drone or Russian drone or pick your country drone. These things would have to be so far advanced to outmaneuver our planes that even that doesn't make any sense. They don't have that technology out there. Now, the Washington Post went on to say, when Wendt and Duval made the argument of anthropocentrism, that's the idea of constituted and organized by references to human beings alone. Basically, what they're saying is, they made this argument that it's human beings alone. Nevertheless, their paper makes a persuasive case that UFOs certainly exist. Two papers now, two main news sources agreeing on that. Even if they are not necessarily ETs, for them, the key is that no official authority takes seriously the idea that UFOs can be extraterrestrial. As they note, considerable work goes into ignoring UFOs, constituting them as objects of only objects only of ridicule and scorn. So that's very important. What they're basically saying is, you call something a UFO, most people immediately go, heh, you're an idiot, you're a crackpot, you're, you should have tinfoil on your head, F you. What they're saying is, that kind of thi that kind of thinking has to stop now. UFO, unidentified flying object. It can be separated from the extraterrestrials and the UFOs and or from the extraterrestrials and the aliens and podcasts like these. It can be separated and maybe it should be separated just so we can get more eyes on the topic and figure out what these things are. Now, they said in recent years, however, there's been a subtle shift that poses some inter interesting questions for their argument. For one thing, discussion of actual UFOs has been the topic of some serious mainstream media coverage. Yes, it has. There was the December 2017 New York Times article that basically is about this. Though this story generated some justified skepticism, it represented the first time the U.S. government acknowledged the existence of such a program. Then there were reports last November about Umaumau, which is that mysterious cigar-shaped interstellar object that fell through our solar system at extraordinary speed. Now, Umaumau's shape and trajectory were unusual enough for some genuine astrophysicist to publish a paper suggesting the possibility that it was an artificial construction relying on a solar sail. Now again, this prompted skeptical reactions, but even though skeptics could not completely rule out the possibility that extraterrestrial activity was involved. Let's stop right there. They are completely right. Just to get someone, a genuine astrophysicist in this case, to get someone to go, okay, there is a chance. I can't explain it. Science can't explain it. There's a chance that extraterrestrial activity was involved. That is huge. That is a huge leap in the right direction. That's the huge leap in the direction that I wanted to go in where these stories start being taken seriously, which they are, and they're being investigated by multiple sources, not just by the Navy, because frankly, in my opinion, the governments have nothing in it for them to tell us what the hell they're doing. I want multiple people. I want news sources, multiple news sources. I want everybody that can investigate this to investigate it. Let's do a deep dive on these things, figure out what the hell they are, where the hell they're coming from, and maybe what the hell they want. And through that, if we get disclosure, awesome, even better.
All right, the story goes on to say, then on Monday, the New York Times came out with another story. The story I just read you. The Times reporters broke new grounds by getting pilots on record. Again, absolutely huge. That would never have happened in the 50s, the 60s, the 70s. The government tells you to shut up. Those people shut up. Now, these pilots are going on record. They go on to say that the post, uh, the post that the new Navy guidelines formalizing the uh, reporting process, facilitating data-driven analysis while removing the stigma from talking about UFOs, calling it, quote, the single greatest decision the Navy has made in decades. Again, I agree wholeheartedly. The very fact that this step has taken somewhat weakens the Went and Duval thesis, that thesis that it can't be extraterrestrial, it has to be man-made. This was always a two-step process, it says. A, acknowledge that UFOs exist. And B, just consider that the UFOs might be ETs. We're not saying they definitely are. Just consider it. And guess what's happening now? This is Kurt here again. And guess what's happening now? That is exactly what is happening now. People that would never have talked about extraterrestrials and UFOs now are. I had arguments with coworkers and bosses and friends and girlfriends back in the day that, you know, UFOs are real, that extraterrestrials are real. And they laughed and went, bullshit. Now they actually go, yeah, they could be. And that's huge. That's all I wanted. That's all I needed. Another thing that used to happen back in the day, like with my grandparents and even some other relatives like aunts and uncles, they would say, well, no, God created man. You know, we're created in his own image, so we're all there is. I'm not going to put down religion, but I will say that it stifled the chance that there might be aliens for far too long. I personally think that because of religious beliefs, the government hid so much of us, so much of that stuff from us because of the potential, you know, like meltdown if news got out that aliens were found in 47 or that UFOs were spotted landing and talking to the president or whatever. These kinds of stories would have broken down society back in the day just because of the religious implications. That is no longer the case. So, right there, I just read to you two great articles about the realization that UFOs are real. This is huge. Major news publications are doing stories and research into UFOs right now and it isn't the top story on every channel. Just think about that. If this had happened 20 or 30 years ago, every show on TV would be interrupted on every channel so that the news could talk about the daily UFO sightings by the US military. Now this shows one of two things, either how far we've come in acceptance of UFOs or how jaded we are as a society that we just don't care that much. Now, I think we have to get to that point where it isn't a world-stopping story before full disclosure will happen. Like I said, full disclosure won't happen if it's religious implications stopping it. Guess what? We're there. Bring on the disclosure. This story is great if for no other reason than for vindication. For years, people thought I was crazy for believing in UFOs. Yet, here we are. UFOs are real. There is no more denying that. Are they aliens? Well, that's still up for debate, but UFOs, unidentified flying objects that our government can't explain or really even monitor, they're real and they're flying rings around some of our top fighter jets. 
So, UFO believers, my listeners, my people out there, if you want to gloat, now is the time to do it. We were right. UFOs are real. All right, so we know that the Navy is interacting and I guess being bothered by UFOs on almost a daily basis. But is this new? The answer is no. 100% no. I can find stories throughout the decades of this happening again and again and again to our military. The report above focuses on the Tic Tacs, but other shapes and sizes of UFOs have been recorded by the US, British, Chinese, Russian, and other governments for the past 65 years. That's 65 years of military around the world seeing these things, not being able to stop them, not being able to shoot them down, and not knowing who or what they are. Now, the one example that they talked about briefly before is the USS Nimitz UFO incident. This is the one that happened in 2004. Like I said, I mentioned it very briefly earlier. Now, it started with the USS Princeton tracking objects for two weeks on their AN SPY-1B passive radar. There's a reason I mentioned it. More on that in a minute. Now, this was right off the California coast. Finally, they'd had enough of these objects appearing on their radar that they called the nearby USS Nimitz to scramble two FA-18 EF Super Hornets to investigate. Now, neither fighter plane had live ammo. We know this because the Princeton asked them directly. So there is a possible threat if they're wanting two fighter jets with live ammo. Anyhow, the jets are scrambled, they get within range, and they couldn't see anything on the radar. Even though the Princeton could still see the objects on their radar, the objects though had dropped from 28,000 feet to near sea level in less than a second. I'm gonna repeat that for you. From 28,000 feet to near sea level in less than a second. Now, not crashing into the waves, but just above sea level from 28,000 feet. It's insane. Now, a popular theory is that they were tracking weather balloons. Look, that's bullshit. This doesn't happen with weather balloons. I'm calling bullshit completely on that theory. Weather balloons don't go from 28,000 feet to just above sea level, maneuver around fighter jets, copy mirror fighter jets. I'll get to that in a minute. It's just BS. This is just another example of the government trying to come up with a quote, logical explanation, that is just BS. All right, so both pilots see the objects with their own eyes. They said it was 50 feet above the water. They described it as a large, bright white tic-tac, 30 to 46 feet long, with no windshield, no port, no porthole, no wings, no appendages, no visible engine, nor exhaust plume. One of the pilots, Fravor, started a circular descent to approach the object. He reported that the object began ascending along a curved path, maintaining some distance from the F-18. Basically, it was mirroring its trajectory in opposite circles. Again, weather balloons don't do that. The pilot then made a more aggressive maneuver, plunging his fighter, pilot, or fighter, plunging his fighter jet to aim below the object. Right then, the UFO accelerated and went out of sight in less than two seconds leaving the pilots, quote, pretty weirded out. Now, within seconds of the two fighter jets, they were told by the Princeton that the radar target had reappeared 60 miles away. Fun fact, according to Popular Mechanic, a physical object would have had to have moved greater than 2,400 miles per hour to cover the distance in that reported time, in that two seconds. 
Two other jets went to investigate this new radar location, but by the time the Super Hornets arrived, the object had disappeared. Both F-18s returned to the Nimitz. Now, this is just one of many Navy UFO encounters. Now, fingers crossed, I've been trying to get this guy on for a while. He's a buddy of mine. He's very busy. He's a little far away. Hopefully, I will have a guest on soon that has had a personal encounter on board a naval ship. But until then, back to this story. Now, like I said, the reason I brought up the Nimitz is to compare it to the 10 years later encounter from this New York Post article from the 2014-2015 the, uh, incidents. The 2014-2015 description, Lieutenant Ryan Graves, again, the U.S. Navy F-A-18 Super Hornet pilot, says the object he saw looked like a sphere encasing a cube. Fun fact, Graves also encountered them when they were in the Middle East as well. Remember when I said earlier that they went from there to the Middle East? To the Middle East? Well, guess what? They did see them there, just not at the same frequency that they saw them when they were training off the coast. Now, the, 24, uh, the 2004 encounter, Commander David Fravor said that the object he observed was around 40 feet long and oval in shape. I'm going to say that's close enough to be the same object. Both encounters mention no known propulsion or exhaust that is, again, on every vehicle that's man-made. Now let's move on to the size of the objects. Both incidents say that the size of the Tic Tac are 40 feet long, and the 2014 case, there were Tic Tacs and one large black or one large dark blob. Now these UFOs later became known respectively as Go Fast and Gimbal for obvious reasons. The 2004 incident... Fravor said he looked down to the sea. It was calm that day, but the waves were breaking over something that was just below the surface. Whatever it was, it was big enough to cause the sea to churn. He says the object was, quote, the size of a Boeing 737, a commercial jetliner, 100 feet long, with a 93-foot-long wingspan. He said it was that size under the water. Now, this thing was going 70-plus knots again under the water. They had Tic Tacs above them, and then under this water, under the water, this massive thing. Just to give you an idea, that's roughly two times the speed of a nuclear sub. Now, he didn't say, oh, and by the way, I saw a submarine. He said he didn't know what it was. Again, I can play devil's advocate and say, what if it was some kind of nuclear sub? They tend to be 173 meters long, so maybe it was a sub. Maybe it was a sub that was surfacing, but wouldn't an experienced pilot know what a surfacing sub looks like? And that doesn't explain the speed. 70 plus knots under the water. He tracked it. He knows exactly how fast he was going. Now, when he engaged the Tic Tac, he said he never saw the large object under the water again. That can be read two different ways. He was so focused on this Tic Tac that he didn't look back down to that large blob under the water, or... That large blob under the water went further under the water, so he couldn't see it anymore. It doesn't really say, I don't want to know, I, I don't know, and I don't want to speculate. Now, he said, hovering 50 feet above the churn was an aircraft of some kind. Whitish, was around 40 feet long, oval in shape. The craft was jumping around erratically, staying over the wave disturbance, but not moving in any specific direction. The disturbance looked like frothy waves and foam, as if the water was boiling. So not only do the Tic Tac sizes match, but both encounters also include another larger UFO. Why? I don't know. 
Are the Tic Tacs being launched from this thing? Again, I don't know. I don't want to speculate. Now, another cool part of this is that Fravor reports that an operations officer on the USS Princeton directed him to fly a combat air patrol or CAP. That's 0.60 miles away. And as you know, within seconds, the Princeton reported to Fravor that the UFOs were at his CAP point. Now, the reason I'm bringing that up is for one very good reason. So they basically told him, hey, fly CAP, this combat air patrol, basically go 60 miles over here. That is exactly what they told the pilot. When that happened, the UFO, bunk, bunk, like blinked out, went really fast, boom, boom, from there to there, 60 miles to the cap point. Whatever these things are, they seem to understand English and pick up coded transmissions. And they went, they went directly to that designated spot. Why? I don't know, I wish I had some clue. But I have no idea, but it shows intelligence. That's why I'm bringing it up. These things show intelligence. Again, they are not weather balloons. All right, let's talk about maneuvering. 2004 and 2014 seem to match up there as well. They both move at incredible supersonic speeds, ascending and descending almost instantaneously. Again, this is G-forces that would kill a human being. 19 Gs being the current capabilities of our fighters. The suspected range for the Tic Tacs, 500 Gs. That's not me guessing, that is science guessing. That is science using math to say they went from here to here. We know exactly where they were here. We know exactly where they picked up here. We know exactly the height they were at. We know exactly how quickly it took them to get down to sea level. This is science, this is not me. 19 is our current capabilities for our fighter pilots and our fighter jets. 500 G's is what these Tic Tacs are doing. And again, the maneuvering seems to match. So let's move on to radar. Again, both instances had issues with radar locks. Both have had visual confirmation, so these things are real. They're not glitches with the radar like that one guy was trying to say. Why do I know that? Because they spotted it on the Princeton radar. They couldn't spot it on the plane's radar. Again, I'll get to that in just a second. In 2004, they spotted it with their eyes. So this isn't a reflection. It isn't just a human. They have two things. They have the Princeton, and now they have the pilots themselves that can see these things. This is corroboration that these things are real. They're not glitches. They're not any of that BS that the Galoob guy said. All right, sticking with, um, sticking with radar. 2004, Fravor was unable to pick up the objects on his radar of his FA-18 Super Hornet. Lieutenant Graves, in 2015, on the other hand, was able to pick up the objects on the radar of his Super Hornet. Now, there's finally a difference between these two stories, but why? Well, it's probably because of the time between the events. Fravor's early production Super Hornet was equipped with an older radar, the, a the AN-APG-73. The AN-APG-73 is an X-brand multi-mode radar used by Super Hornet pilots in air-to-air -air and air-to-ground roles. Graves, on the other hand, could see it on their more advanced APG-79 radar. The APG-79 is far more advanced, far more sensitive, and also has more power to detect them. Now, Fravor could see it with his eyes. Graves couldn't. Again, why? Well, Fravor was really looking with his eyes. He had a helmet on, but he was looking through a clear visor directly at him. He's using his own eyes. That's why they could see it. Graves, on the other hand, his helmet 
will have a pilot-assisted camera display, like on the actual dis the visor of the helmet itself. Graves was never looking at the object with his own eyes. He was looking at it with a camera. Who's to say these things? They're definitely difficult to, to, to uh, they're definitely difficult to see and to track. Who's to say that the camera being used by the helmet can't pick them up? It's very possible it can't detect these Tic Tacs. There are reasons for these discrepancies, scientific reasons for these discrepancies. Now, is this fact? No. But we do know the radars. We know the brand of radars and the strength of radars between the two. We know that Fravor was looking at him directly with his own eyes. We know that Graves was not. He was looking at him with his helmet. These are logical conclusions based on the facts. Now, the ships, on the other hand, had better radar, and that explains why they could see him first and at greater distances. So, they were not only seen by the pilots themselves with great difficulty, but also by the radars in both instances and by infrared in the 2014 incident. Another reason why these things weren't mirages or whatever the hell Grobel said. Um, in fact, you know what? In a second, I'm going to go back up to uh, that idiot. Okay, so back to what Gloob said. Just a refresher in case you need it for what Gloob said. The bullshit that Gloob said. He said, there's so many other possibilities. Bugs in the code for imaging display systems. Again, no. We have physical eyes on target. That is not glitches or bugs in the code for imaging display systems. They have radar locks from two different types of radars. One on the ship, one on the planes. They also have infrared locks on these objects he goes on to say it might be atmospheric effects and reflections again those three things no it's not neurological overload from multiple inputs inputs during high-speed flight okay that might explain the visual locks it does not explain infrared locks and it definitely doesn't explain radar from both the planes and the ships again gloob you're full of shit all right, back to what I was saying. The other thing to note that it's not just one Tic Tac. It's not just one vehicle. In fact, in 2014, the pilots noted, quote, there's a whole fleet of them. So again, it's not just one object being seen first over the Pacific in 2004, then over the Atlantic in 2014. No, there's multiple objects. They said a whole fleet of them. Whatever these things are, wherever they come from, they're not going away and we seem to be seeing more and more of them as time goes on. Now, they're decades ahead of ours or China's or Russia's current technology with no one taking credit for having something that can do loops around our top flighters, our top fighters. Now, I'm eager to see if more video and more reports come to light now that it's known and now that it doesn't seem to be the end of the world that we're making contact with UFOs. So, I hope you guys liked this... Um, special news edition, the special edition of Paranormal Almanac. Um, that about does it for now. Like I said, I expect, I expect to hear more and more about this and other UFOs. So I guess welcome to the new age of UFOs. Shockingly, this seems to line up with what one of the Time Traveler's predictions were in that episode. So if you haven't listened to the Time Traveler's episode that just came out just recently, a couple episodes ago, you might want to listen to it because a time traveler, supposed time traveler, mentioned that 2019, well, you have to go and listen to it. You'll know it exactly when you hear it. And if that one's true, 
Did the other things he predict, are they going to come true? I hope not. Once again, I'm your host, Kurt Sandig. This has been a special edition of Paranormal News. Nope. This has been a special edition of Paranormal Almanac. Zwoofowisty. 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 Zwoofowisty.